0: We are back with episode 7 of What Am Games, and I'm leading off this week. I am Kurt, a writer from Connecticut, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. And I am joined with Mike and Jane. Hello. How did our last week go? Hobby, fun, and otherwise. Let's start with uh, who's ready. Mike?
1: All right, so uh, this past week I continued work on my sanguinary guard. And I, I, they're almost done. They're really close. And I, I painted up uh, all the little tiny bits on them. Um, I, my next steps, really, to finish everything off is doing some washes. And I'm going to be doing the backpacks and wings. Those are the last bits I really have to do. Not looking forward to it.
0: You just don't like painting wings, or is there something else about me you dislike?
1: Uh, it, it's just the fact that I feel like, you know, I've done all this work on the model and it, it's the model itself is done, but now I just have to do this last part, which I guess is part of the model. But after doing so much work on the main body, it's like,
2: I just want it to be done. I know what you mean.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I have that. I built, um, I build Gundam models and when I build Gundam models, I have that when I, um, I'll build the whole model and it looks great and I do it in parts, but then I get to the point where I have to do all the weaponry. And when I start doing the weaponry, I'm like, I don't want to do the weapons. The robot's done and he's cool every single time, (laughs) every single time. It's like, I should just start with the weapons, then build the robot. Not a bad idea. How about you, Jane? How did your week go?
2: well i actually didn't really get much hobbying done because i was uh on vacation with my wife uh we had a we had a family vacation with her side in uh ocean city maryland so i i left all my minis home but uh what i did do was i played a good amount of salt and sanctuary on my switch which is a really delightful uh souls like metroidvania kind of game so if you're a fan of either of those genres i would recommend you check it out um and i also played a little bit of a board game called oath uh via tabletop simulator with my brother which is a super cool super complicated uh i don't even know how to describe it there's some resource management there's some politicking and intrigue happening so that's a it's a cool deep game so if you're into cool deep games i'd recommend you check that out so uh yeah no no uh traditional hobbying to speak of for me but lots of other nerddom
1: i can definitely speak for the awesomeness of salt and sanctuary i uh platinum it on my vita um which basically means i did all the trophy achievements and stuff like that and uh the vita is a handheld just for those who don't know because i know it's a technically a dead system at this point
2: <laughs> uh rest in peace vita yeah mike actually uh was the one who gifted me Salt and Sanctuary, and it was sitting in my case for significantly over a year before I finally popped it in. But, you know, I'm getting to work on my video game queue. So it's being played. Yeah, Kurt, tell us about your week.
0: I was like, I, Just like I was going to say, I, I actually had something similar to yourself where um, I don't traditionally hobby all the time, but my hobby is always uh, role-playing or writing more so than miniatures and wargaming. Um, my week started off weird because basically my games for the week were getting canceled. Um, I game twice a week, Tuesday and Saturday. Saturday was, um, we knew it was going to be canceled because my, uh, one of the players was taking his girlfriend on a, like, a weekend getaway for her birthday, but my Tuesday game got canceled by, um, two players also going on vacation, so it was kind of weird, like everyone was going on vacation apparently that week, um but the week itself was pretty good. We uh, had a break, in the. we had a heat wave It broke down. It got cool, and I decided that I was going to go to my, um, my best friend's house since we played online. I'm like, hey, if, if everyone's going on vacation, why don't I come down and we'll hang out together? And in a, a weird twist of events earlier in the week before the heat wave broke, uh, lightning struck their house and actually uh, blew up one of their computers, their TV, and a bunch of other stuff, but I didn't know that going down there. So when I got there, I'm like, Oh, i brought dvds and stuff to watch I'm like yeah tv's gone we're the replacement will be here next week and um what happened is uh, a couple episodes ago i talked about how i've been writing i spent um i spent the the pandemic writing a call of cthulhu game that i thought i would never get to run so uh we were sitting there and we were going to play board games and uh, my friend's brother's like hey wait a minute i don't really want to play board games he's like you've been talking about this call of cthulhu game forever can, can, can you run it? I mean, do you think you could just put it together and run it? And I'm like, well, I happen to have all the Call of Cthulhu books in my car because they're heavy and I didn't want to carry them in the house. So yay for laziness. And I have the notebook on me that I wrote everything. In, and even though I'm not really conversant with the rules, yeah, I could totally run this game. So uh, just as a, a quick pickup, like, you know, not planned, we sat down and played Call of Cthulhu 7th Edition for four hours And it was amazingly fun and went really, really well considering, you know, I wasn't expecting to do it and I didn't have like all of my materials, but it it was a lot of fun. It was really great and I enjoyed the heck out of it. So that, that was my week. It was a great time. Now this week or this episode, I should say, uh, we're going to talk about some things that are not a great time, but I'm, I'm sure we'll find some ways to find some positivity in it somewhere but I have to bring up the subject of GW and them messing with the IP. Uh, First, taking away cartoonists and then starting to clamp down on the community use of IP and other such, and uh, the problems that this is uh, starting to uh, create and uh, what fears I have and maybe what fears you guys have for how the community... Well, what might happen to our community, basically, due to what GW is doing. Does anyone have a a point they'd like to make to start off?
1: I'm just going to, yeah, I'll start off and I'm going to elaborate a little bit
0: yeah. on the situation here. Um, first
1: off, I just want to say that we are not here to like dump on GW. Um, this isn't a vendetta or anything. Uh, this, is, this is just, we're, we're talking about this because we enjoy their IPs so much that we want to make sure that they're successful and that they're doing well, and that the moves that they have put into place recently are are just not going to lead to long-term success. So I'm just going to clarify a few things. It started um, with the announcement of Warhammer Plus. They went out and got um, Astartes and a couple of other really good fan animations and brought them on board for Warhammer Plus. And that was generally you know, lauded by the community. Um, that's not a bad thing. I, I think it's cool that you know, these, these animators work really hard, and uh, now they're going to be paid to do what they love to do by the people who the IP they love to make stuff for. Where GW kind of put their foot in their mouth um, was later on down the line uh, right before Moorhammer Plus is supposed to come out.) Um, they they decided to say, hey, you're not allowed to we're gonna we're gonna implement a zero tolerance policy, their their words, zero tolerance policy towards any um, like videos or content that uses majoritively, RIPs. And that mostly uh, is targeted towards like fan animation um, because The wording in their whole legal document or whatever seemed like it's more towards fan animations, but it's vague enough that it could impact other parts of the community. Um, But even if it was just targeted towards fan animations, this is still an unacceptable thing. And the reason is, is that how are they going to find more people to make great content for Warhammer Plus if nobody can animate outside of it? Uh, You know, like. Never, how can the fans foster a community when there's no real like, um, fan presence for the IP? If you completely eliminate your fan presence for the IP, you lose a lot. And that's what we're going to get into more of a discussion in a second. Um, but there is a fear that this could possibly extend to other things like battle reports because those are also going to be in Warhammer Plus. Um, and I'm just going to say it outright right now. My stance on it is is I was more than excited to get Warhammer Plus. I was extremely excited to get Warhammer Plus. The price point was much better than I was anticipating. You get a decent amount for it. However, now that this is out there, the real way that I can say... Safely, that we can protest GW and this move while still being able to enjoy our hobbies um, is to simply boycott Warhammer Plus. I know boycott can be a dirty word, so maybe not use that. I don't know. Just don't get Warhammer Plus. If you don't need it, don't buy into it. You really need to show GW that the community is not willing to buy this kind of product if this kind of product is not going to also be available for the community to cultivate. That's my piece on it.
0: Yeah, I I fully agree with you. Um, I think their biggest problem is just lack of communication. Um, The community contributes a lot to uh, the IP. Uh, Several of the chapters that are in... um, in the fiction stuff started off as uh, homebrew stuff for uh, like, like Ben counter created the, um, the soul drinkers in his home game. And then later on he became a writer for black library. So that then got folded into black library and then into um, the white dwarf magazine. And it became part of, you know, Canon. Uh, so there, there's a long history of, people in the community contributing rules and ideas that then became part of the actual lore of, you know, 40 K and yet the company is just really, really bad at communicating with people. So like when they started scooping up the animators, they could easily said, Oh, Hey, we're, we're, we're putting them to exclusive deals, but they don't like to talk about deals. So they just, didn't talk about it, and then all of a sudden all the all the animations that were on YouTube just disappeared. They were deleted or removed, or... And then, like, worse, the stuff that was deleted and, and removed was put into, like, a back corner of, um, of GW's main site. So you can't even find it easily. So if they had just, like, put out a press release, that's it. Just a single press release, like, hey, we're recruiting these people and they're going to be doing exclusive deals with us and you know if you want to do exclusive deals talk, you know we'll talk later or we're going to be recruiting or anything anything that's all they have to do is just say something. but they just have this whole thing of silence
1: i'm going to kind of I'm going to kind of correct something there because they they did definitely talk about the animations uh, the animation part they they scooped everybody up, and they didn't tell anybody, and my thought on the reason why they didn't tell anybody at first was, they were holding that information for when they announced Warhammer Plus, and then they went into it a little bit more during, you know, the Skulls Week, um, and Warhammer Week, because Warhammer Day was extended to, like, four or five days, I I believe, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, you are correct.
1: So, so that's that's really like they did talk about it um and and right. it, you know it was troubling at first my like what's really what really kind of made me think more about this was watching um the the video by the people who do TTS uh you know emperor's text to speech which is an amazing fan parody of the lore and it's so funny and I I quoted it several times in past episodes. I remember listening to myself quote it several times in past episodes. So it's, uh, it's definitely near and dear to me. I, I, I laugh at that stuff all the time. And it's so sad to see that they're going to be on a permanent hiatus until, you know, this stuff gets sorted out or you know, just other factors. Um, but it's not, it's not, not good. They did communicate it, though. I do want to be a little fair to them on that. It was communicated at some point, but it could have done better. I think a better better example that I'd like for you to elaborate on is the whole, you know, we already talked about Cursed City, but really the Cursed City debacle was one of the big signs of them kind of regressing with their communication because they had made so much progress before that um and then all of a sudden you know curse city came out and they were silent
0: well they still are silent i mean you're absolutely correct in that they did eventually say oh yeah we're taking these animators and we're gonna do the plus and here's the pluses my, my thing is is they scooped up these people and sort of let the community generally think oh they're gonna do their own animation channel but it was two months they could have put a teaser out they could have been like coming soon warhammer animations or warhammer studio anything i mean they're communicating better but it it, it It feels like Cursed City was the first time where they they just dropped the ball with community and then all of their videos have no um they had to turn comments off and I mean, I will admit that there are definitely trolls in our community, so that might be for the best, but there's but it, it's still part of the problem if people can't comment on a video or can't ask questions and then when you do get through to someone in g w and you like you get your question to them the person who's answering it could be anyone. You're not certain who's actually in charge of the real information. So like, you get a hold of uh, Joe in IT support, and he's like, oh, yeah, I heard this rumor. And then people will run with that rumor because that's the only information I get on IGW. And then the next thing you know, Joe from IT doesn't exist anymore or is proven false. It's, it's almost like they need someone in a social media like, liaison role whose sole job is just to put out little news briefs, even like on Twitter or on Instagram or something, or there's, there's like an Ask the Sage type of thing for, for GW so that, that fans can just ask questions, and they can either be answered directly or they can be answered in like a newsletter. Like these are the most asked questions this month. What's the story with Curse City?
1: I'm going to add one more thing, um, and then I want to hear Jane's thoughts on all this. My my thing now, like I, the whole idea that they turned off comments on their YouTube videos, I was not I was not aware of that. Um, that makes it worse, and the reason being, if you're gonna attack the content creators who do accept comments and do, you know, give actual feedback to the community, like you can't also simultaneously shut off your lines of communication at the same time. Because I know people have mailed them, emailed them, sent them all to dead air. So it's like impossible to talk to them now, and but they're also going to kill all the creators that also can you know answer those questions for them, deal with those things for them. And I don't I don't get it. So Jane, what what are you, what are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, uh, I mean, I have a couple of thoughts, uh, but since we're bouncing off of the uh, you know turning off comments on youtube as far as i'm aware they haven't had comments open on any of their videos for a pretty long time i might be mistaken about that but i remember like looking at painting tutorials um official gw ones around the time indomitus dropped and i am pretty sure they had comments turned off at that point and that was you know over a year ago
0: just just to let people know Comments have been off for over two, three years now, like 2018-ish. They had a whole, like, trolls and other issues, and they just, like, shut down all of their communications years ago, and then they started getting better with Ninth edition, and then they never put comments back on, but ever since, uh, Cursed City, it's been getting worse and worse again.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really blame them for having the comments off on YouTube, because you know, I mean, it's like roll one of the internet. Don't read the comments; it always turns into a cesspit. I think you guys are both very correct that they just need to, you know, have someone in charge of communication in general. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure they could make that, you know, a full a full position for a couple of people. You know, just kind of dealing with internet hate. Uh, you know, apart from. Well, not even internet hate. Just you know, dealing with clear communication apart from the normal customer service stuff. I think the biggest, I think the biggest issue with uh, all of this stuff. So I've really kind of only been observing this from the sidelines. But uh, from what I understand, uh, the guy who does, you know, if the emperor had text to speech, made his video preemptively, like, you know, he hadn't gotten any season assist, but was, this was in reaction to GW's announcement that they were going to be a lot more close with their IP. And I really just think it's a shame. Because, um, you know, apart, apart from what Mike was saying about, you know, cultivating more talent for GW to call, um, you know, and bring it to their own studios, the fact of the matter is a lot of people will first encounter Warhammer in any way, shape, or form in, in this day and age. And especially now that, you know, we're still in a, you know, COVID situation where not a lot of stuff is happening out in the real world, a lot of people are going to be encountering this for the first time online and through these, you know, meme and comedy accounts. And, you know, it's, it's essentially just really shooting themselves in the foot with a whole bunch of free advertising. It just seems really questionable from that perspective to me.
1: So, I just did a quick search um, to see because generally, companies of community managers or um, game, you know, like game companies tend to have community managers, but at least video game companies do, you know, people to reach out and, you know, handle the, the community, obviously. That's what a community manager does. And they're in charge of all of that. Um, I can't find any. Uh, and this is just a quick Google search. So there, there might be one buried in here somewhere. I can't find any community manager position at Games Workshop right now as a thing. Um, what I do see are hiring listings for uh, user experience managers, senior user experience managers uh, in both England and the United States, which feels like a job that should be taken right like that that's something that they should have someone working on already yeah and it, there's a bunch of stuff like that you know like there's mar- managers marketing managers all this other stuff and the other thing that kind of threw me off when i when i looked at the uh, community website or at the at the jobs website i should say um is that they they say that this is community marketing. It's not community management. It's not community... like Communications comes last on this list of responsibilities. It's community marketing. They're more interested in marketing towards you than helping you figure out what the hell's going on. That, that's, that's telling.
0: That's very telling. Yeah,
2: that's pretty much where we're at. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess kind of what this all comes down to is the unfortunate reality that You know, GW is a corporation, and as much as they depend on a community to make their money, that's, you know, they're not... At the end of the day, unfortunately, their responsibility to the consumer begins and ends with, you are giving us money and we are delivering a product that you want. You know, their mindset is very much in that. I think it's it's a shame, because, you know, they, they could very easily have a great relationship with their community. I mean, clearly, the people who love this stuff love it. Everybody's hanging around despite, you know, repeated communication debacles over the last, you know, pretty much however long GW's been around. I feel like they've always had these kind of communication issues. So, you know, I mean, how, how much better would the experience be for everybody if they weren't just looking at the bottom line and they were really looking to cultivate community?
0: It's so weird because like they did bad for years where they were like really rude to people and they treated stores really badly and like their retail was all bad. So like the whole team in charge of retail, they all got sacked and they redid the whole company. And then all of a sudden they were better with retail. Not, not great, but better. They treated retail a little bit better. Um, but, you know, for like the longest time, a whole bunch of web stores had to close down and anyone selling GW Prox online had to basically go out of business or sell other products So that all kind of, I wouldn't say got fixed, but that all became better. And then a few years ago, they started actually talking to the community again and treating people with a little bit of respect. And it was like, wow, it's like a new renaissance. And, um, their mantras got way cooler and more intricate and, uh, all the, the modeling got better and they started giving us a whole bunch of heresy stuff and more stuff that people were demanding, like, uh you know, bringing back Blood Bowl or Necromunda. Somebody. So I was like, wow, this is like a renaissance. And then now here we are a couple of years into this and it's, yeah, we disabled all of our communications. We don't have a, you know, a community manager. We don't uh, respond to emails. We, uh, you know, we're viciously attacking people for our IP control. And, um, I mean, the whole IP control thing has been going on for, for almost a decade now. Hence why we went from Space Marines and, or sorry, I should uh, start with the easy one. Instead of going from Imperial Guard we have Astra Militarum and, you know, they had to invent all these names because they couldn't copyright you know, Eldar. They couldn't copyright Space Marine. So they they fluffed everything and they're just really, really, really strangling their own IP. And I just fear that in the long run, without you know, fresh blood and new people coming up with stories and community support that they're just going to stagnate their own IP. I mean, yeah, they got a bunch of writers working for them, so they'll still have like Black Library, but I don't know. You're going to still need new people. You, gotta, you can't be all inbred and insular. Or am I wrong?
1: I, I don't think you're wrong. I'm going to play devil's advocate and just kind of say a few things. Um, Particularly, you know, so GW is basically the biggest player in the war gaming scene, right? Like, they're, they've, they've got the biggest IP, uh, IPs, I should say. Uh, they, they do a lot with that. And there is a reason for that. The IP is phenomenal. The story is phenomenal. Everything about it is great. The, the, the plastics, GW plastic is some of the best plastic in the industry. So when you get that model, generally you know you're getting a good product and that's why people will still buy from them. Now they need to adapt to 3D printing for sure. Does that mean that they're gonna sell the files to 3D print? Sure, that could be a thing that they do. That's a thing that's yeah. happening now. A lot of companies are selling their files for 3D printing. Does that mean that you're going to run into um, issues of people inappropriately selling these files, or selling these prints? Absolutely, you will. That's going to be an issue. But you have to deal with it in the same way that you're dealing with these recasters from Russia and China. Uh, you know, that's the same idea. They're, they're, they're flooding the market with, you know, inferior GW products that are just copies. Uh, that's a thing, that it exists. So these issues are going to be found no matter what you do. So to to clamp down on the IP itself is just strange to me because that should be your most liberated part of your whole business. Like That should be the part that you connect with the fans with the most. That's the part that the fans should have not control over, but definitely be able to dip their toe into it and and participate in it. That that the story animating, you know, uh, battle reports, anything like that. That's all. That's all like you can't make all that in house unless you're spending a ton of money. These people are doing it for you, and you're going to go after them. It doesn't make any sense. You're not you're not saving money by doing this, and you're destroying your community. I've already seen a bunch of YouTubers. Moving on to other games, not permanently, but they are not going to be strictly GW anymore. There are certain that I watch religiously that are now like, hey, we're no longer going to be strictly a GW channel. We're going to branch out and start looking into other games as well. It doesn't mean we're going to stop doing GW. It just means that we're not going to exclusively cover GW anymore. It's not worth it. If they come after us for that IP, at least we'll have something else to do. You know, and that's, that's a sad thing to do. They're going, they're playing other games, not for the merit of these other games alone, but out of fear of what Games Workshop will do to their channel. That's ridiculous. So they're driving people away already, and that's why you don't do this kind of crap. Why you don't do it,
2: Mike? I think you touched on something really awesome there as well, um, in terms of like the three D printing and like you know, GW could make STL files available for that. I think that is a great example of how a company could, you know, work with the community. And it's like, they have a great opportunity to expand in new ways and to kind of embrace the change that's happening and, you know, really approach it from a progressive standpoint. And instead what we're seeing is a very regressive thing. And if they did try and move forward and meet the community and the markets and the technology where they're at, that could build even more loyal fans. And they just seem to be making every wrong decision along the way here.
1: My thought of like their mindset is probably that they see 3D printing as becoming an inevitability. Um, they're probably like horribly afraid of it. They don't know how to handle it. And the the way they're going to clamp down is the way they make money. And that's on the IP itself and not the actual models. And, you know, so it's like you, you can do that, but you can do that in a way that also fosters community, that fosters community, that like brings people to the table to play, to view this lore, to see all this stuff. How are you going to get people interested in your damn game if you don't have anybody hyping it up or talking about it?
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've spent a pretty long time now uh, talking about all the problems. Um, Do we have any other ideas for ways GW could fix this going forward or other ways that the community could, you know, move and work around it? I know, Mike, you were saying, you know, obviously if you were planning on subscribing to Warhammer+, Plus, don't do that. I think that's a great place to start.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great place to start. I, I understand that a lot of these channels are moving on to other three uh, other modeling hobby games, war games, whatever. You know, they're either getting models from other companies and painting them, or they're featuring other war games. Period. I think that's a great thing for the community in general. I think more more games out there is a good thing, other than just one monolithic game. Um, but what what the community can do is you know, boycotts don't really work if it's not an entire, you know, if not, if everybody's not on board with it. So it's kind of hard to say, yes, don't get Warhammer Plus. I don't think you should. And, and I, I stand by that. I'm not. I know a lot of people aren't now. Um, but, you know, the other thing the community can do is just start featuring other things. Move on. Like, just that's how Blizzard is dying. The fans are moving away from their game they're going somewhere else because other places do exist.
0: Yeah. I was going to say that there were, there were two things with the, um, going back to Jane's original question of ways to fix and help the problem. There were, there were two thoughts that came into my head. First off, I mean, I, I'm not going to do the devil's advocate thing and, and go on GW's side, but I, I do want to point out that some of this is, is knee jerk reaction from people. Like, like TTS wasn't told to cease and desist. He's just afraid of where things might go. So, because there's no communication, everyone's afraid. So all of, like even us, we're like a little bit in a panic, and we're doing this episode. Um, there there might be like some he- beautiful IP heaven where all of a sudden they start doing like create like you know fan creation stuff like uh, like other games do, like D and D and Call of Cthulhu and Traveler, and a few other games all have you know write your own adventures and post them, and we get to take a cut. But it's community driven adventures, modules, and IP. Um, so, I mean, GW might surprise us and somehow like turn this all around to it's a beautiful thing, and then if they do such a thing, that yeah, then maybe, you know, let's not boycott them. But um, at this point, since they don't talk, the only way to fix it is to literally hire someone to start talking. That's it. Just have someone who actually gives a damn and wants to communicate with the community and answer questions and not paint GW as the evil corporation that's trying to become, like, you know, the mouse. <laughs> you probably have to edit out me saying, the mouse. No. You're good. <laughs> and and uh,
1: that's a phenomenal point. You, you, I do think that a lot of this would simply be fixed from having a very active community team and community management system. That's it. Um, that's it. I agree with you totally. Because all these YouTubers
0: are self regulating out of fear of something that might not happen at all because they just don't know what's happening
1: yeah and when when your only information is coming from a void you're just gonna the, the wor- humans are programmed to anticipate the worst case scenario we just are we are worriers by nature we just worry about everything so it's that's the, the, yes you're gonna worry if nobody's clarifying to you you're gonna go into that direction So you're totally right, Kurt. You're totally right. Thank you.
0: I don't hear that often enough. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, I'm also thinking now about uh, GW. You know, this is not exactly the same thing, but it's all you know along the same lines of GW kind of clamping down on their IP. The announcement about the 3D printing no longer being allowed in the official GW tournaments, and I'm just thinking about you know I think I think it's. This is also a really great opportunity for fans to continue to organize gaming events outside of GW's purview and be explicit about you want to use, you know, 3D printed parts. Awesome. Come in. We just, we're excited about the lore and we're excited about the game. We're excited about the hobby. You know, make these spaces outside of GW's purview.
1: That's another great point. Yeah, good one, Jane. That's because they. Like they, they not only banned just three D parts uh three D printed parts, they banned um like any sort of, you know, third party bits. So it's that are not bespoke,
0: quote unquote. <laughs> they they've done this in the past though, they do this every couple of years. So like I wanna say back in the nineties when I first started playing, there was um, you know, like a minimum allow of paint job, um it had to be like ninety percent GW stuff. Uh, then in the early 2000s, they did a whole, like, only GW miniatures on the table, period. Only GW approved, um, terrain even. Which was crazy, because they weren't producing any terrain. Um, then, like, 2010-ish, like, in there somewhere, everything laxed back up because they were getting killed by, um, War Machines and Hordes was, there were more tournaments of that where it was like, just have fun and freaking play the game. We don't even care if you use our minis. Uh, that general attitude made... GW, like, I don't want to say back down, but, like, be much more open and receptive. That was, like, 7th Edition going into 8th Edition, I believe. Uh, Don't quote me on that, because I don't have, like, the years in front of me of what was what. But then now, yeah, this is all new again. Like, what's new is old, because they do this every couple years where they're like, oh, let's open it up to all models. Okay, let's bring it back down. No kit bashing. uh, No third-party parts. Okay, no printed stuff. No proxies. It happens all the time. I bet you in a couple of years they'll go back to like, okay, you can kit bash, but you know we want to see ninety percent GW product on the table again.
1: Well, then maybe that's another thing that they should work on as well—not just community management and community outreach, but also consistency in their policies. Uh, especially if you're running a, a company that makes a game, where you know, like I have several pounds of like maybe tens of pounds of books just for their rules for their game, but they can't be clear on their, like, overall, you know, policy. And it changes so frequently, just like their rules change, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, tournaments have always been, like, living rules. Always.
1: But it's not just the tournaments. It's, it's the overall policy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, like, overall stuff that they do.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel almost like we're getting to a point where we... uh we like to remain positive, and we're going to get too negative if we keep going up. So maybe like. Oh,
2: I was, I was going to say, I think we're, we're kind of starting to talk in circles. Um... <laughs> I agree. Why don't we
0: talk about wins and good things that happen during the weeks? So like, what are our wins of the week? And who wants to take off first?
2: Yeah. Let's have some wins. Uh, well, Kurt, why don't, you, why don't you take it away? Okay. Uh, my, my, mine's gonna be, like, like, two halves,
0: uh, I'm going to repeat the one I started with, which was, hey, I got to run Call of Cthulhu, I haven't run a Call of Cthulhu game in ten years, um, I, I took a whole ten year break from running games, period, but, um, but Call of Cthulhu is one of those games I have not run in a really long time that I've always loved, so, that is, like, half of my win of the week, the fact that I got to run this game, like, I seriously wrote it while, like, sitting in my house, like, When the store shut down for the first couple months of COVID, I was just like, what am I going to do with myself? I mean, I don't care. I'll just watch TV. I binge watch everything. Um, So I, I spent months and months and months just researching and writing this, this whole like 1940s and 50s Boston story and like looking at maps and looking at brownstones and stuff. So I never thought I'd actually get to run the game. I mean, I put all this work and effort into something that I figured, this is never ever going to happen, and I mean, it still hasn't officially happened, but I got to run seventh edition Call of Cthulhu, and that was amazingly fun. And um, I got to see players who um, like they got the clues, like because it's, it's a mystery. So I threw some clues out there, and they started putting stuff together, and like the wheels started turning, and like for the first hour. Everyone was kind of quiet. There's only two players, but they were like quiet, with one of them dominating and talking. And then all of a sudden, the quiet one, like, just came out of nowhere and started going, "Okay, this plus this equals that, and this clue leads to that." And it was like amazing. It was just amazing to see both of them perk up and have a really good time. Um, and then the other win of the week was um, since I was away for the weekend and we had no TV. Uh, We went to this big flea market in Connecticut called the Elephant's Trunk. It's actually been on TV and stuff. Uh, And I found a whole bunch of Ghostwriter comics. And I've been trying to fill out my collection of Ghostwriter comics. So I bought like 50 comics for like two bucks a pop, which is a lot of money still. But um, I basically filled like 70% of my collection up with all these books. And it was just like amazing to find these books after wanting them for, like, a year and a half, two years now, and going, ah, I should get back into comics, but now I have a whole box of Ghostwriter comics. So those are my wins. What about you, Jane?
2: Well, uh, as I mentioned, I didn't get to do a ton of hobbying, but I did recently uh, level up in Dungeons & Dragons, so my Warlock is now level 7, which is the highest character I've gotten to. And uh, something I'm finding interesting is that, uh, you know, Warlock's never get a ton of spell slots. So, combat-wise, you tend to be sticking to your same bag of tricks. So, I'm finding ways to continue to play this character in ways that are interesting despite not having abilities that are necessarily on par with the rest of my group in terms of, you know, shiny new toys. Uh so that's a a learning process and is continuing to be lots of fun. Uh and then another smaller win is that uh GW finally got some Drakari stuff back in stock on their web store, so I was able to get my hands on a box of racks and a Talos. So I'm really excited to uh, build and paint those. Excellent. I'm less excited now that I'm thinking about it to be adding to my already substantial pile of gray, but we're working on it, we are moving forward, and we're not going to get down on ourselves about it. So those are my wins. <laughs>
0: Listen, I really, really want to talk to you about D&D now, but I, I, we don't have time for that. But I'm like, 7th Level is the highest character you've ever had. And I'm like, oh, why? Really? But let's hear what Mike has got for his win of the week before I segue off into somewhere else and he gets mad at me.
1: <laughs> so I, uh, I also leveled up to Level 7 in Woo! the campaign. It's not my highest character, but it is definitely one of the more fun characters I've played. And I've played some really wacky characters. Um, My other win, so I have two more, is I started painting again. Um, That's, you know, good. I had taken a long time off to manage my health and uh, other things going on in my personal life. Um, And also because of my third win. And that is I participated and successfully completed the audience choice winner for our section. Of the 48 hour film project. Uh, so, yeah, we, we already won an award and
0: we haven't even gotten to the award show yet. That's awesome, dude. That's amazing. Look at you, people's choice or audience choice. Yeah, that was really fun. I want to know more about it. I, um, I mean, I know we got time. Uh, I, w- I definitely want to know more about it because I know, like you say, like, they give you a random genre and all that stuff. Uh, so, what was your genre? What's your movie? Just like a tidbit. I want to know more.
1: So they gave us two genres to pick from. um, And I I believe we went with, like, Thriller, I think, was the genre we went with. Um, So Basically, they give you two genres, and you can pick between two. uh, And after that, you have literally 48 hours on a clock. Not 48 business hours, literally 48 hours to make a five-plus-minute film um, that you know, makes sense and is edited and completed and sent out, um, to be viewed. And that's, that's basically what it is. I mean, it's, it's a lot of work, uh, to, to do for 48. You're constantly crunching. Um, that, you know, I was with my, with my health not being uh, that great, I really pushed myself and I was there from seven in the morning to four in the morning. Wow. Doing, uh, audio for this. So and they and they continued after I had to leave because I just my body was given out on me. So uh, I was surprised I made it through the day. <laughs> just a lot of uh, those Coca-Cola coffees, <laughs>
2: it's pretty good. Yeah, I've, I've had those. I like them. Uh, yeah, that's that sounds nuts.
1: <laughs> it is, and we
0: do it every year.
2: <laughs> wow, is this the first
0: time you've won an award, though?
1: No, no, our our films have won Audience Choice several times. Um, we were runner up to Best Picture for the second film I did with them. Oh, nice! Um, yeah. So, or the first? No, the first first film I did with them, we were runner up, and uh, then the other ones we got like Best Actress, Best other things going on, Best Special Effects. Um, so, who knows? Maybe this year we'll win Best Audio, and I can actually go on stage and be like, I did something. <laughs> <laughs> but
0: it's yeah. awesome. You gotta show it to us, obviously. Like, we definitely got to see it.
1: Yeah, once I get the director to finally nail down his cut, I'll, I'll link it out and post it everywhere. But he's... Because uh, you, 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 you submit the version that, you know, goes to 48, and that's the one that gets judged. But every year, our director uh, slash, you know, producer, who, whatever role he takes that year, he always wants to, like, tighten it up and, like, do a couple of edits that he couldn't do under the time constraint. Um, and then he releases it. So uh, I'll I'll let everybody know once that's ready.
0: <laughs> so it's gonna be good. I've seen yeah. it. It's really it's really fun. Oh, I definitely can't wait. For a thriller, it's fun. And now for our recurring segment of our product endorsement, not sponsored. Okay, so I'm gonna talk really briefly about alligator clips. Yeah. I mean, it's not exciting, it's not sexy, but there will be an Amazon link uh, with, this, uh, with this podcast. So most people use alligator clips to hold their minis or parts of models when they're airbrushing. And I noticed that when I first saw people using them, they were always um, alligator clips with barbecue skewers. And the alligator clip was just like jammed onto the barbecue skewer, but there was nothing actually attaching it to the skewer. So I bought some, and they stunk. Uh, they, the clips would just fall off the skewer, and then obviously the skewer has a point, so you'd, like, you stab it into a block of foam. Well, I don't have a block of foam. I actually have a better system for how I uh, use my uh, alligator clips. But I found these alligator clips that have a little bit of steel cable, like 8 inches of steel cable that is permanently attached to the clip. Uh, so it makes the um, the cable's a little bit flexible, so it's you know you can hold it and like kind of flex the uh, shaft to wherever you need to get the uh, clip to go. And um, the barbecue skewers, if you buy them on Amazon, you buy barbecue skewers with the alligator clips. It's like six dollars for fifty of them, or not fifty of them, for twenty-five of them. But the clips that I'm using, which are all solid steel are 50 of them for $8 or $9. It might be eight ninety nine. dollars uh, Again, I'll have a link for you guys. And so I have 150 of these things because I just buy tons of them. And they are just, I want to say like the bee's knees, make myself sound really old. They are great. Uh, I mean, I, I can't talk more about them. They're just, it's a clip. You, you put your minis on there. When I build my GW minis, what I will do is when I'm cutting out the feet, I will cut a bunch of sprue along with like the foot, and then I will clip the, the bit of sprue in the uh, alligator clips, and I will paint all of my GW Minis off their bases, clipped to these, um, these alligator clips. I prime them, I do my base coats, and then I'll just hold the alligator clip in my hand, and I will paint the whole Mini on the alligator clip. So it's, it's really, really cool. And, uh, you know, I'm cheap. I'm sorry, I'm, get, I'm getting twice the amount of clips for only two bucks, three bucks more. And I got twice the number of clips and they don't fall apart because the shaft never detaches from the clip. Um, uh, and I, I swear to God, like, I don't know why people aren't using these. And once again, this is a product that is, um, it's meant for something else entirely. And I just moved it over to hobby. because if you buy something that says hobby on it, like a hobby knife or a hobby clipper, they add like $80 to the price, right? Okay. Maybe, maybe only like $20 to the price, but, um, these are meant to hold pictures. And then like, you put the, you put it in a bouquet or you put like, it's like someone's anniversary and you like happy anniversary and here's some clips and you put it on, you know, like uh, a set piece in the middle of a table or at a wedding—that's what these clips are for. Just to hold pictures or postcards and put them in, you know, like a vase or something. They're great. I'll have the link. You guys will love them. They'll save money and they'll last for like a million years because they're all solid steel and they don't come apart. All right. That's it. That's my that's my piece for the week.
1: I have a question about that. Um, so, how are they with like rusting and whatnot? Because I know my alligator clips. So um, I tried to clean them, and by like, you know, soaking okay. them in a solution, they rusted.
0: <laughs> okay, so I don't clean them. Like all mine are covered in like white primer or black, brown, whatever paint. Like I just leave the paint on the tips because I don't care about the paint on the tips because it's just paint on the tips. I have had these. I just looked at my Amazon. Uh, I bought them last over two years ago. So I bought the first fifty three years ago, and then I bought the last hundred. Um, at the end of 2019 and none of them are rusty none of them are gross they they have paint on the tips just like the upper jaws and the tips they don't stick together and as you know I paint uh, train minis like right now beside me I have this sunbathing girl in a bikini 65 of them on clips that I have painted with primer and with flesh tone because I just sprayed them down with my um, my airbrush and so the tips of these clips, you know, have a little bit of flesh tone and primer on them. Um, some of these have been in use for over three years, and they're not gunked up and they're not filthy. I mean, they're just got paint on the tips. That's it. And they're not rusted at all. Like even though I handle the um, the braided cable, you know, it's in my my hands are sweating right now. It's ninety degrees in here, and there's no rust, no nothing on them at all. So I don't know if they have a coating or if they're stainless steel, but they're perfectly fine. That sounds awesome. I got a bunch of leftover ones. I I didn't need 150. I needed slightly more than 100, and they come in 50. So (laughs) I have like a whole bunch of them here. So they are excellent. I had one. Sorry, I had one I threw out. Only one out of 150. And that's because the spring was weak. And so, like the jaws would open too easily, so it wouldn't hold the mini tight enough. Sometimes it would like drop the mini if I jostled it. So that's it. I threw out one out of 150 in over three years of constant use.
1: And that, I mean, that's that's an amazing like, that's an amazing less than one percent failure rate right there. Because like yep. I mine, I constantly have to re-tighten them to make them stay on this the the little skewer and.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah they, they fall man. off the skewer because there's nothing attaching them to the skewer. Exactly, I hate yeah. Those. hate yeah. those. I hate those. I have a case of them here somewhere. I threw most of them out. Yep. They suck. I'll, I'll get you some real stuff. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the link, man. You got to get them. Eight bucks. Okay. Or I'll we'll bring be. some <laughs> next time I see you. I just got to find the extras. <laughs> it's good, okay. I'll probably get them, but thank you. Yeah. And I think so that's us for this week. Her? Because oh, I, I, I can't remember the outro. No, that that, that <laughs> I think that's, that is enough for this week. I never do the outro and the intro. So, we are What Am Games, and you've been listening to us prattle on about hobby stuff for a while and having a good time and a good conversation. And we hope you loved it and enjoyed it. Um, all of our information is somewhere below, I mean, depending on what you're listening to this on. But there are links to our Instagrams, our websites, our... everything is down there. You can find us, you could talk to us. Uh, please enjoy, comment, and uh, spread the word in love. Okay, I'm Kurt. I'm Mike. Oh, and I'm Jane. And we are What Am Games.
1: And I would be remiss, I would not be doing my job if I did not plug the Instagram enough. It is, it, it, check out our Instagram, seriously, hit that link in the description, or just search What Am Games for Instagram. It's my girlfriend has been doing a phenomenal job with that, and I'm, I'm very happy with it. So.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of hilarious, embarrassing photos of Mike on there now. Probably soon to be joined by hilarious, embarrassing photos of us, too.
0: Bye!